0: Welcome to the Weekly Mumbrella Podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. With me as usual in the studios of CBS Interactive is your co-host Scott Roddy. Oh. In this week's program, The Future of Journalism Part 812, The ABC's Giant Step for the Arts, Best Job in the World's Glory Run Continues, Is the Optus Stuff the Worst Branded Content Ever? Seven Unveils Its Digital TV Plans, That Fake McDonald's Email Plus, we look at dumbing down the web. Scott, welcome along. Um, no problem. How are you, Tim? I, I'm excellent, thank you very much. Now, the big question which I think has been occupying Media land for the last couple of weeks at least is, has Scott yet thought of a name for his new agency? <laughs> um,
1: I have thought of one. Um, I've thought of over 400, but yeah, I've thought of kind of condense it into one. Well, which... let's
0: brainstorm it now, shall we? <laughs>
1: no, let's not. <laughs> I actually have one, um, and we're just going through the process of setting up at the moment. So hopefully the website, website will be up in the next uh, week or two, and uh, everyone else, once the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed, we'll be ready to roll.
0: Which is a relief, because people, you know, can sometimes name their children, which I yeah. think was more important <laughs> in, a, in a matter of mere hours. Anyway, to today's uh, topics, first one... Um, putting aside your PR head for a moment and putting back on your journalism head if you can remember that. So we, we're starting to see what the Foundation for Public Interest Journalism um, has got planned. Mm-hmm. They've, they've announced three things to begin with, so they're based uh, over in Melbourne. The Public Interest Journalism Resource Centre, which um, is a mixture of databases and training, um, including some online training. And, um, also, uh, a conference coming up next year. Everyone has a conference. Oh, I'm yeah. not so excited about that one. But the one I find really interesting is this: what they describe as a community driven commissioning engine. There's this thing called uh, uh, a Spot in the UK, yeah. in the US rather, which um, effectively you can pitch to the public and say, I'd like to do an investigation about this. And if people donate, then away you go. Hey, do you
1: know what? That'd be great. I think it's a great idea. Um, I think one of the things that I find lacking a lot in, in a lot of media at the moment is the fact that investigative journalism seems to be dying out and nobody seems to really be pushing forward and, and investigating these kind of stories that need investigated. Um, it's it's kind of an indictment of the fact that, you know, media today is all about this fast news and this kind of merging of uh, entertainment and news to, to just try and get as many hits generated as possible. Did I say hits? <sighs> page impressions sorry um and i think that this i mean look, let's get I'll be honest here if a community is having issues with you know a developer you know then they can say to a journalist well you know can you look into this for us however people will have to realize that um if they do fund these things sometimes an investigation can lead nowhere
0: yes or it can lead in completely the opposite way exactly, yeah. and you end up paying for something which could be bad news about yourself yeah and i suppose then the- question is, how, how? what sort of framework do you put it in? Mm. So it's, well, it's a really interesting idea. I suppose
1: it's a bit like commissioning a private detective or something. I mean, that's really what it boils down, except from, instead of giving you a report at the end of it, he writes a news story, it gets sent into to the newspapers.
0: What would, you, what would you pay to see investigated?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a tough one, actually. Um, I'll tell you, what kind you New South West? Wales government, I'd like to see get an investigation into... How they can spend so much money and really not seem to do much.
0: But then the question is that's that, and that is the other interesting question. Actually, is you you, you have got the likes of the Sydney Morning Herald and the Telegraph digging into exactly that sort of thing. Could this sort of model ever uncover something that a well-resourced newspaper
1: couldn't? I think so. I think well, I think if, if there's enough, I think A if the stories there, because a lot of times small stories can grow so much larger. Um, and I think if if the community's hiring someone to do it and they actually uncover some interesting information then and there's no advertisers there then you never know what's going to happen you know i've i have seen stories pulled through because of advertisers
0: Yeah, that's a fair point, actually. Uh, uh, Of course, having then uncovered these stories, one still has to find an outlet to... Yes, absolutely. stories, obviously. Um, Moving on. Interesting. Actually, hold on. Let's let's pull it back to... Do you you not want to move on at this point? No, no, let's
1: keep on The journalism hap, keep on. I'm just talking about the the umbrella article, actually, on the evolution of print to online journalism was held back by lack of training. Now, this was... um,
0: This was me and Darwin, actually. yes, Yes, absolutely. Yes, I I got off my blogging backside, and I (laughs) tooted off to Darwin, and I sat there with a notebook and pen like a proper journalist. Yeah, you wrote, like, lots of words, too. I did. I wrote words and and everything. It it, it was an interesting debate, organised by the uh, Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, with a bit of help from the Walkley Foundation as well, Um, and this has been part of a kind of uh, roving tour that's been going around the country, so... Uh, last uh, la- the end of last week was Darwin. Previously, uh, I- I've been to Perth and Adelaide, and, and they've done most of the major cities. Now. Did you find
1: it quite enlightening, or it's
0: interesting because each one I've been to has been very different town. Um, what tends to be kind of the the, the 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 theme, I suppose, is journalists are actually quite willing to give this a go and often say they kind of need a bit more training and a bit more help mm. and it's not as easy as handing a video camera to a photographer and say, here you go, you shoot video. Yeah. You know. um, it's
1: similar to what we spoke about in the last podcast where we were saying that um, when we were journalists, you know, we were, we were told we weren't allowed to multi-scale by the unions.
0: Well, you speak for yourself. I still like to think of myself as a journalist.
1: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I was one then, but in the past when we were we were just you know new to this, that was the, the fact you were a writer, that was what you did. If photographer was a photographer,
0: absolutely, you, you, you're quite right. I mean, I used to carry around in my pocket a camera, um, just in case I came across a fire or something, mm. and it was always you would get a great picture and you'd feel slightly guilty about it because yeah. you were treading on the toes of the snappers. Yeah,
1: they would be straight to you saying, "Oh, carry a camera, do you?" And yeah, you'd be like, oh, sorry. But then this actually takes me to the next step, which is obviously the recent um, IINet, net. And um, the information that happened there with the the, the, the tweet- tweeting, from yeah. Court, yes. So Andrew Colley, you know, been told to stop, and uh, Liam Tung from CBS Interactive being told to you know keep going. So he was the last kind of stalwart in the courts, which was actually quite interesting. Um, but it was interesting to see. I think uh, there was a quote from News um, Interactive which said, you know, we're not sure about how but journalists posting onto a network outside of ours, uh, which kid me, which then made me think, well. You know, this is this, I, think, I think that may one of the things that News Interactive sometimes misses, that in this world of the internet, sometimes information goes out elsewhere.
0: Yeah, no, in fact, I think in fairness, it wasn't so much for, from News Digital as Campbell Reed, no, who's was, News yeah. Limited, sort yeah. of
1: group editorial director, so looks
0: after the, the, the print editions as well. And this was a a comment that's recently resurfaced, but I think he first made a few months back. And the question is, yeah, have, have they clarified their thinking? Mm. Clearly, the fact that the journalists still do tweet Means that they at least are to, even yeah. if there's, you know, kind of some nervousness at the uh, at the higher levels. Yeah. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. moving on. I'll they, let they, you move on. Yeah. This well, thank you. You're very kind. Um, this was one that broke yesterday uh, as we're recording, which um, is an interesting one. The ABC are having this massive push into the arts. So they've certainly dressed it up this way, sort of a, what they describe as an arts portal, which really is a kind of you know homepage for all things to do with the arts, um, which, you know, which has immediately um, gone live. Now, um, it's associated with quite a big drive for what they're doing in television as well. There'll be this new magazine, weekly magazine show called Art Nation, Mm -hmm. and a whole series of documentaries. So I suppose to me the question is, is this the ABC filling a gap in the market that doesn't exist that is a service for the public, or is this exactly the sort of thing that commercially funded, advertising-funded um, uh, uh, broadcasters or publishers should be doing or could be doing if the ABC wasn't putting their size twelves all over it? Well, I think
1: I think I mean good on ABC straight off the bat for actually you know taking a stand on this and 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 doing it because it has been sadly remiss in today's uh, media there isn't you know on on television there's virtually nothing to do with arts um and i think that one of the things that really distinguishes um australia sometimes from the rest of the world is that it has a very vibrant art community um and you know and it's constantly growing and they're investing you know the government's investing a lot of money into this so why not have some some kind of um have have a whole bunch of programs that can actually show what's happening in the country and i suppose as part of the abc's remit to do this which i think they've been missing um, but you know, I, I don't really see many of the big um, channels doing it. I think so. I think that, yeah, let them put their drive 12s all over it.
0: Say you run, you know, an art magazine. It's got a nice little website with a nice little audience. You're gonna be a bit nervous at this point, aren't you? That um, right? that I don't think so. Gonna head off to the ABC.
1: Oh, uh, I think I think if your website's good enough. I mean, this is the key, isn't it? We all live in a world where if your content's good enough, people will go. If people already use that website. Then I don't see if it's good enough and it's got constant information. Then it should be getting the word out there. I don't think I wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be nervous personally. I'd just make sure my game was good. A, a quick change
0: of gear again now. Um, best job in the world. Ah, um, the best job in the world. Do you know what? It's not stopped winning awards. This it was. It broke probably. At, I think it was just at the very beginning of the year. Probably in mm. January, maybe even in December. This idea. Win the best job in the world, caretaker of the island. I think the guy was Bear on Mary Oprah
1: Ray. this week, was he, or something? Oh, was he? Ben Southfield? Yeah. I didn't realise that. I saw, I saw yes. some, like, I didn't actually go, because I, I just couldn't watch Oprah. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, that, I was led to believe that he was on the show or something, which is great for, you know, yeah, for it's tourism. Great, it's been
0: great publicity. There was brilliant PR right the way along. Lot, You know, won loads of awards at Cannes as well as, you know, mm. brilliant PR idea. And it's now won um, the top prize at the Caxton Awards, which yep. happened at the, the weekend. There was one un- slightly unfortunate incident to the Caxton Awards, which was that the keynote speaker didn't
1: turn up because... Oh, I saw that, yeah. Yes,
0: forgot to get a visa for Australia. See,
1: there's a a mistake right off the bat there. That is
0: a very (laughs) subtle mistake. I'd love to know whose fault it was. Um, One gets the impression the organisers feel that it's his fault and he feels it's the organisers' fault, Mm. but um, we won't quite know that one. Anyway, despite the fact that they had no keynote speaker, they did give out their Caxton Awards. Um... No. It was a great idea. It was great a idea. brilliant scheme. Yep. Um and a, a part of the activation had was a l-
1: li- had a lot of money behind it as yes. well. Yes,
0: had some had, had a lot of money behind it. But part of the activation was they placed some job ads saying yeah. would you like the best job in the world?
1: Is it the best say? best ad in the world? No. Yeah, that's the I'm thing. Sorry. It's it's text. It's the best job in the world. Here's some text. Here's some information. It's it's do you know what? It's like 50 job ads I've seen on Seek. Um, like in the last 10 years, well, five years, I suppose, and in the UK, same, I've seen those types of ads loads of times. So, what's the difference? I don't quite know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, it's a br- At the heart of it is a brilliant PR idea. Yes. Um, which happens to spin off and they activate it quite well in yeah. the digital uh, The strategy
1: behind it was fantastic. I mean, it really was. And, you know, they they put the money behind it, they, they pushed the campaign out there, and they, they had such great success. And it was brilliant to see. You know Australia leading a campaign like that, um, but the advert, no, no,
0: a um, bit of a surprise for me that one. Um, the other ad that did very well was actually out of New Zealand. Um, DDB New Zealand did some stuff for Sky Television, which you get a lot of good work for the TV channels over in New Zealand. But this, the idea, it, it, it's worth going online and having a look. Alien versus Predator, the two of them playing chess. Brilliant.
1: There was a few of the different ones actually. Of them playing different stuff. One of them was playing uh, pool or snooker. I think loved them. Just. Really, really nicely done, unusual and, uh, you know, just thinking out of the box type thing.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, The news that we were long awaiting has finally dropped. Seven are launching a digital channel.
1: With the worst name I've heard in a long time.
0: Uh, Just before we get into that, so this is
1: going to be on Freeview. Yep. Um,
0: Allow me a little moan.
1: On you, please. Moan away. If you don't mind indulging
0: me. (laughs) Um, I, as a consumer rushed out to my local large um, retailer and bought myself a free view box. Mm-hmm. In the end what drove it was um the disgraceful way in which Ten, in my view, used to treat the Grand Prix. Yeah. Um so if you wanted to watch it you'd have to watch it several hours later at two o'clock in the morning and make a point of not looking at any online news sources. Yeah, or, stay away from or everything. Stay away from Sky News and the whole thing. Um so they did. They did eventually put it on one, which is Ten's um, digital channel, uh, digital channel, which mm, launched a few months back. Anyway, so I literally bought it a few hours before um, the um, a, a particular Grand Prix. I tuned in my freeview box last night, and it's died. <laughs> it hasn't even lasted a single Grand Prix season. <laughs> 150 bucks, and it's died.
1: Oh, you should have bought a TV with an integrated tuner then.
0: Well, I should have done. Yes, I don't think I'd have got that for 150 <laughs> bucks, would I? So, um, yeah, it, great. Was, I
1: have to ask, was it a Digitech?
0: It, do you know, I don't think it was. I forget. I forget. It was. It was one of those cheap. And I knew it was going wrong from the moment I got it home, and the the you know the, the power arrangement cable thing didn't work, so I had to find an old one that happened to plug in. Oh. So from that point onwards, it kind of has been downhill. So um, should have a warranty. Well. Yes, but I doubt if I've still got that several yeah. months later. And I always
1: collect your paperwork, Tim. Yeah,
0: but also I just can't face going back to the retailer
1: and doing it. Um, well, so my umbrella's I, successful, you can afford a new one.
0: Yeah, but I object. I I absolutely fundably, fundamentally object to buying a piece of rubbish which will
1: break down. Again. In that case, you're going to miss out on 72.
0: I am, yes. Um, I, I'm going to have to... Now, the question is, do they pronounce it 72 or 72? Seven well,
1: I'm not sure. That's a weird thing. It's you know, it's I don't know. It's digital channel 72, but, you know, it's the number seven with the lettering too. It's, well, I don't know. Every time I look at it, I keep going, I don't get this, please. I
0: suppose the one thing is you've got um, nine spin off is Go, which yep. is again sort of general entertainment.
1: But... Which is actually enjoy sometimes, you know, I kick it on and it's nice to actually have just some good programs rather than the dross that's sometimes on.
0: Yeah, you're never more than half an hour away from an episode of MASH. Exactly,
1: or Seinfeld or something. It's yeah. great.
0: Um, and then Ten, as I'm mentioning, do their spin-off is called One. So the one thing that strategically Seven have done is that they, they've much more closely aligned the, mm. the channel with the main channel.
1: But why know? not just do Seven and Two, you know, with the same font? Why not just... That's, that's the way I like upon it. In fact, I, I don't really... I'm not a big fan of the, the number and lettering next to each other when you're just talking about this, a channel. Or why not just come up with a new name for it? What about the
0: actual programming itself? How do you feel about that? Is there anything to tickle your fancies uh, off Well, you in?
1: know, I think having... Um, I mean, look, for some, for the certain generations, having lost uh, Heroes 24, you know, that's going to be fantastic. You know, it's going to drive a lot of traffic to it. Um, and, you know... Oh, yeah, Tom Williams. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, he's one of the faces of the channel. So yeah, well.
1: he's... hes You know, you just kind of see him all the time. And...
0: Yeah. So anyway, um, I yeah, it seems to have been well received though. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and look, think do you like, know they found the right gap
1: in the, the more, uh, you know, the more, uh, more more choice there is for people out like there, the better.
0: Absolutely. Okay, another one. Um, one of those things I sort of cried with laughter and cringed at the same time when I came across. You the, looked in the, the mirror. Oh, that's right. Yes, I looked <laughs> in the mirror, and then when I finished looking in the mirror and cringing, I came across the Optus. Dutch's Destiny. Ah, uh, Dutch's Destiny. The adventures of a young would-be rapper. Not so much a would-be actor, though. I think no, his it's acting's might, atrocious. Might be one of the issues. Um, so this is this is all available, kind of on the web and on the V. Website.
1: I think it's. Um, I think it's. Uh, Optus you choose on YouTube? I yes. think that's what it's called, yeah? Oh, what I'm saying, I think. <laughs> I know. Um, I was actually, uh, when I started at Zing and the sister company, Bang, then I was working on part of this. That's um, before you were fired. <laughs> <I> fired. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. I left to set my own agency. Um, no, no. Um, I was involved in a, a different aspect of this campaign, um, which I can't talk about at the moment. Uh, but it's very much different from what the actual Dutchies campaign was. Um the
0: thing to me is it it seems it feels like a good strategy, this idea that you, you get to like this young person, you follow their adventures and their aspirations, you vote, and depending on which yeah. way you vote, there are different outcomes so you can watch a different. Yeah, it's
1: choose-your-own-adventure TV. It is, yeah. but
0: my goodness, the acting. I mean, the acting is so bad, I find myself wondering whether it's deliberately bad. Well, I've
1: not watched I've only seen the first two episodes. I couldn't, couldn't do episode three um, so I don't know if he got the girl or not, well, <laughs> or what thing. was happening. Because of
0: course, all of it. Because the the really agon. Have you seen the agonising one where he walked into the record company? Yeah, and the, and the girl
1: was saying, "Hey, you're, you get two choices. You know, close the door or leave." And you know, I was thinking, "Wow, I really, I wasn't sure what audience you're aiming for here." But if he's getting action, then mm. we really should be throwing a rating onto this somewhere. I, yeah,
0: I made myself watch the both of the possible outcomes. Um, I can reveal that in one. He went home afterwards and bragged to his mate about it. And in the other he went home afterwards and bragged to his mate about how he had the offer but knocked it back. So
1: So so no real difference then? <laughs> so
0: not an enormous amount of difference, no. Um but yeah.
1: Um So wait, wait hold on. He he got action? He well in the one it, that oh, closed yeah, the yeah. door, action happened. Wow. He
0: implied to his mate, You didn't see the action, it was all a big tease, but um I can't
1: believe to be honest, um, look,
0: having a conversation at this level about something as awful as this.
1: Have you looked at the comments on it? That's
0: the brilliant other.
1: People are like, yeah, you go Dutch, you get in there, woo-hoo. Yeah. And I was, I was like, like there was hundreds of them, and I was like, wow. It
0: makes me feel very, very depressed
1: about... It makes me feel old. Yeah.
0: It makes me, feel, it makes me worry for the future, though. Well, were I think who... uh, there was
1: people posing on on umbrella saying that there was one guy, I can't remember his name at the moment, who was saying, you know, this is exactly what our demographic want. This is, they want to be, you know, uh, to be so bad that it's addictive and we watch it. I felt like taking a step back and saying, well, I don't know if everybody in your generation wants that. But if he does, then, you know, that's great for them. Yeah.
0: OK, moving on. Um, this is a story that's been bubbling on for a couple of weeks. The fake McDonald's memoir.
1: Ah, yes. Now,
0: I... <laughs> I kind of, um, I guess I first came across it when somebody forwarded it to me saying, "You won't believe this. Yeah. Take a look." And it was, on face value, seemed like you know jaw dropping stuff. It was a memo from apparently the boss of a drive through McDonald's telling staff to.
1: to I think was it was the some, CEO, was it not, yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Yes,
0: and it, it was it, well, it was signed by yeah, the CEO of the local the yeah. local McDonald's or something. Apparently signed because it wasn't. It was all fake, but apparently telling staff to leave something out of every third order yeah. to save some money. And then we look carefully, so it was signed by Robert Trigarbi. Hmm.
1: Now, um, it was, I think it, uh, it kind of gained notoriety. Um, it went from Reddit, and from Reddit, went on to the Consumerist, an American website.
0: And that was the problem, wasn't it? Because to me, as soon as I got it, I did that journalistic thing. Yeah. I rang up the corporate communications person from McDonald's, asked them, they pointed out it was fake, gave me to confirm that, and on the record, confirmation that yep. it, they saw it as fake, and that killed the story
1: for yeah. me, you know, because the problem know. was the consumers didn't look into it, and here's one of the problems of journalism uh, that's happening in the world with blogs and all that kind of stuff. They get given this letter. They go, wow, get up. Look how bad Australians are doing this on an American website. They go, check this. Ameri- uh, Australian McDonald's employees have been told to see it, and then, you know, 200 comments of people going, oh, that's outrageous, can't believe it. Oh, my God, that's happened to me. Problem there is if they'd have dropped an email, made a phone call, fax checked, done. Instead, I believe that McDonald's, you know, contacted them, let them know that it was a fake. And next thing you know, they they made the headline say, this is a parody. (laughs) But, you know, that's three days, four days late. And by then, it spread across. The amount of people have sent me is an email... And well, I, I kept being forwarded it. That yeah. was the thing. But and other on people kept forwarding. And it. on Twitter, I saw somebody post it, and I quickly leapt in to say, "Look, this is a fake." And it's one of those things. That I,
0: do you do you hate
1: bloggers, Scott? No, I actually love bloggers. Believe it or not, I just believe that if you're going to write something that is detrimental to a company, to a person's life, then you know, check your facts. Take take a second just to take a step back and don't just batter it out and get it out there.
0: But what do you do if you're McDonald's boss of corporate communications? How do you handle that sort of thing? Because the rules have changed because it's out there. That's the problem, isn't it? You yeah. Know, beforehand, generally when there were there were a few media outlets, you could be straightforward with them. You could say, look, it's a fake. Here's yeah. the evidence that it's a fake. And generally that story wouldn't get reported because to report it you're sort of following the agenda of the faker. Yeah,
1: But the, but I think that you need to nip it in the bud, which is obviously looking at... If if it's running on the consumerist, then you contact them. You say, look, you know this is a fake, and you let them know that you, they need to change it. And you know, if 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 the website or the journalist involved or the blogger um, has any ounce of credibility, then they'll say, it, this is you know they'll quickly change it. Um, but I think that. McDonald's, uh, you look at similar to the Domino's case in the US with the the people shoving the food down their ass, that kind of stuff. And will be, I uh, remember it'll be on um, iTunes as well, my Umbrella Podcast on iTunes.
0: Yes, now available on iTunes. Um, which is hopefully how you're hearing us right now in order to know
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the fact that um, the in the US Domino's were quickly. It took them three or four days to react because of the w- the weekend. But they put up a video on YouTube. Then Australian Domino's put a video on YouTube. Also, their their boss saying. Look, you know this this happened. What nothing to do with us, um, and I think that's what we, you know. You have to be reactive now. So should McDonald's have done more, for instance? Should they have put something up on YouTube themselves? Saying... Well, I think I think it's better to to get reactive. Personally, I think companies need to be more honest. Um, I think you know. I think that they did a good job. And Don't get me wrong. I think that it's been a tough one to because where do you go with it? I mean, it ran on I think it ran on News. dot com as well. They interviewed yeah. the faker who created the same guy that did the spider email. Mm-hmm. It, it as look at the moment. Companies are in this dilemma. Do they? They're trapped in the old, the heritage type, um, where we just ignore it because it's not going to go anywhere, or do you get reactive where you step up and you say, "Look, this is what happened. Nothing to do with us. This is what you know. This is what we believe. Um, here's new products." Um, but I think that, and and the way forward is more honesty and transparency, and they really have to put that, raise their hand and say, "Look, this email's out. You know, have a look at it. It's nothing to do with us. It's a fake." We would never do anything like this to our customers, and you know we hope you realise that.
0: Any other business? Let's move on to the media and marketing sections of the week. What's yep. what's caught your your eye? I know that one you mentioned was the advertising recovery seems to be seems to be beginning to to gain a bit of steam now. Yeah,
1: well, it's a story in um, the Australian. Obviously, the ad recovery is boosting old media, saying that um, traditional media outlets are still surviving, it's TV's all good. TV's back,
0: baby, it's back.
1: Yeah, well, I think TV, I think you reported that TV's down 5%, is it?
0: Down, well, this is, as these things always are, much contested, the figures, but the overall, down 5 million, I think. Yes, yeah. yes, the, the, the overall television audience, average TV audience in peak time, which is, and there are so many caveats here, between, yeah. from memory, 6 and 10.30pm, has fallen below a five million average yeah so was, last year it was about five million now it's fallen below so far for 2009 some of the caveats of course is although there's been a lot of growth in pay tv which is mm, included in that number yeah. last year was the olympics which which brought it up
1: i think um there was, i think there was a, a stats on the u.s i can't remember what it is and i think it's something like 40 to uh 50 to 70 percent of um uh teens to 24 year olds in the u.s have seen, uh, watched TV on the web, rather than, and like, only some, like, 27% have um, used a PVR.
0: Yes, and, of course, they they aren't then captured in the Ostam data. For exactly. Instance, so. so,
1: you know, to say that they're not watching, I think more people are watching TV. It's just they've got different mediums to get the TV programs.
0: And the question is whether they're watching programs that have advertising attached, yeah. which obviously then comes to the... Uh, I've
1: always been intrigued, to be honest, in how they get the figures exactly.
0: Yes, boxes in people's houses. Yeah,
1: but not in everybody's houses. Not in everybody's houses. So it's a kind of an extrapolation. There isn't isn't
0: a little spy in the back of your television watching what you're doing. But,
1: you know, I've never met MD who has one of these boxes. Have you?
0: I've come across someone who told me a very funny story about how... Um, one day he decided that he was going to tell the box that 15 mates were all there and they were watching one of the arts channels, watching a ballet. <laughs> and sure enough, it shot up in the ratings. Well, so, <laughs> so one one box where you say, yes, we've got 15 people in the house at the moment, they were watching, uh, one can have an
1: impact. <laughs> well, because I was thinking, because the stats are the average audience has fallen from 5,227,868. I mean, it's down to that last person how do they know? Yes, that
0: is the issue because the the, the the daily ratings come in and they're to the nearest thousand, and of course, you know they're based very much on extrapolation. But that's that's the world of ratings. Mm. Well, 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 that's, that's what, also the world of statistics. That's
1: why, I like you know, the world of online because you know you've got measurement. Gotten, you have,
0: but yeah. you 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 will be aware that people do do surveys using online to extrapolate yes, bigger pictures. I'm aware of that. Yes, uh, um, I
1: believe a lot of journalists, you know, use that kind of information.
0: I certainly do. Now, um, another story. Fox has always Fox T V in the US has always. Tended to have a, a slightly awkward relationship with the even, Democrat a,
1: even a even a massive right wing bias. <laughs> <laughs> Those <was> are <an> interesting <laughs> choice of
0: words, which I think many people actually wouldn't disagree with. But what's their what, what's their slogan? Um,
1: uh, fair and balanced, I believe. You, yeah, you choose. Yeah, you choose. Yeah, you choose no, you by, decide. I apologise. You decide. You decide That's by like going to another channel and getting real news. Yes. Uh, no, don't get me wrong. Um, Fox News in, in the US do um, a lot of great exclusives. You know, they actually drill down really well. Um, good news team, but on the flip side, they are also very infotainment. They have Glenn Beck and um, a few others, and Glenn Beck's a ranting lunatic in and my eyes. And
0: it tends to be the presenters who yeah. who who are the ones who have the views. It's yeah. almost the 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 reporters, the guys on the road, tend to be the more sort of straightforward reporters. Yeah, but. You know, unashamedly, the presenters—they're not hiding the fact that they've got a point of view. Exactly,
1: and I think—but I think you know—that's one of the things that journalists shouldn't have that point of view; it should be simply reporting the facts. Um, and I think that, thank, luckily, the Daily Show. Uh, oh well, actually, let's go cut back here. So, basically, the White House has started to basically condemn uh, Fox, and they, there was an incident that two weeks ago where. Obama spoke to, I think, six of the major networks and didn't speak to Fox. I was going
0: to say, it said that he, and I, I was amused by the story, it said that he went on every news programme in the country on the Sunday, yeah. which I actually found a little hard to believe that in a country of however 200 million um, with several thousand news programs, presumably he's on every single one. I think he just people. meant the major news networks, yes. CBS, CNN, and all that. Yes, that, that. that would perhaps make a little more sense. Yeah. But yeah, certainly, for, you know, access was was denied. Mm.
1: But I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting. Fox, I, I watch The Daily Show, and I sometimes catch Fox News. This is the one presented by John Stewart. Yeah, John Stewart on the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I watched. There was, was a really interesting. Um, I think it was one where he was on CNN. I think it was, and he was having an argument with the two CNN journalists...
0: This is a fantastic thing to look on YouTube. Yeah, yes. everybody everybody, everybody in the media apart. should yes. watch this. So
1: he, he told them apart, and they were comparing themselves to him, and he was basically saying, I'm a comedian, I do this to make fun of things, you guys do this because you're journalists and you're supposed to be making the real news. But Fox News, every time I've seen that, there was an incident, I think two weeks ago, there was a march for Gay Right, uh, for, there was a march for the Glenn Becks, this, this incident he's got at the moment, I think it's called... Uh, Twelve eleven. 11 it's, it's how people were feeling after nine eleven or ten eleven or whatever it's called. Um, and, you know, they, they reported on this massive march um, with updates going on about, you know, Obama's bad that kind of stuff. Um, there was a gay rights march um, a week ago, and they never reported it at all. So, you know... There's a lot of marches, though. Well, there is, but every other network covered it, um, and they didn't, which, to me, says an agenda. So... Do you trust them? Do you tr- every, I suppose every media outlet has an agenda, but I think that Fox News, from my personal opinion, is quite badly right-wing. It reminds me of the Daily Mail.
0: The Daily Mail, British, somewhat right-wing newspaper. Now, also within the newspapers, I sw- if memory serves, there was something else you wanted to chat about. Yeah, well, I was about. quite
1: interested by... Um, uh, Ke- uh, what's your name? McKinnon? Uh, Professor oh, McKinnon? yes. Uh, the, He's the, the retiring head of the Australian Press Council and he's kind of lashed out this week. What did you think of that story?
0: Well, I don't have... And this is an entirely external point of view. I've had very little direct dealings. I don't have a great deal of time for the Australian Press Council because, to me, it feels like a pretty weak body. A kind of toothless tiger? A toothless tiger is um, an excellent tabloid way of describing it. Um, you see its rulings and... You, you You almost know by reading the rulings that this is self-regulation doing the minimum it can to get away with it, bearing in mind that it's funded by the newspaper industry. Yeah. Um, so some of the rulings you know have seemed weak to me in the past, and um, they can't find people yeah. so you know apart from being mildly embarrassing. Um, that that kind of seems to be the extent of its powers to mildly embarrass. You know, yeah, because there's two... Frankly, you, I do that to myself yeah. these days. So, well, was the, there
1: was the whole Pauline Hansen story, you know, I suppose that it was her naked or, or in saucy underwear. Um, and I, I don't remember seeing any outcome out of that. As far as I
0: understand, once it became clear that the pictures were fake and that the Sunday Telegraph had apologised... As far as the Press Council was concerned, it was no longer an issue involving um, you know, a politician. So mm. as far as I know, there never was. There Certainly complaints were made I mean, uh, in a slightly sort of stage-managed way. Crikey put in a complaint, yeah. for instance, but it was never resolved. See, so, to
1: me, that, and that, that goes back to my, my point earlier about checking facts, I think they only had one source on that. Surely you would go to the person and say, look, we have these images, do you want to uh, confirm or deny that these exist?
0: And presumably the question then comes in those final few hours of Saturday afternoon. You've got your weekly paper. You've got what you think is a brilliant story. Yep. The pictures look at that stage Yeah, at, at that stage, convincing. Yep. Cause they they obviously a lot of people internally looked and clearly nobody raised alarms. You're you're an old tabloid hat. And what would you have done?
1: Uh, I would have checked at least two sources to confirm it. I think that's that's the key. You, you Even get if you do... go with
0: a rubbish story instead. I, do you know
1: what? Yeah, because I wouldn't trade my ethics. I wouldn't write a story that I do not believe in. You
0: did work on The Sun, didn't
1: you? Yeah, I did. And and I think you'll find, if you go through any of my stories, then you'll see that at no point did I never have two sources for a story.
0: Right, to the cuttings. <laughs> um, now, just one finally to wrap up, just a, just a kind of a, a theme, which I suppose we're, we're almost talking about already, um, that's kind of sort of vaguely occurred to me this week is... Um, if you uh, take a look at the Mumbo Report, which is the video that we do, we talked to yep. Peter Frey, editor of the SMH. Now, one of the points he makes is, he, you know, I kind of was asking about the website, the fact that you might see more tabloid stories on the website than you'll see in the print edition, yeah. he doesn't control that. Also, in the last few days, we've got the NT News has done amazing traffic on the story of the angry denials by the waitress <laughs> of performing fellatio That's showing the sex
1: sales. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and then the other stories, Adelaide Now did great traffic by just posting a video with a very, very short story accompanying it of a man in America staggering around drunk, in an amusing way, hmm. but staggering around drunk or on, on drugs, in a, in a bottle-o, and... Um, with no local angle at all but again great traffic yeah now what does this say about is this just dumbing down of news
1: i think i think it's dumbing down part of news i think it, it gives people that entertainment they're looking for in a central hub but would i like that that to me that the drunken guy story i saw it a few weeks ago um on one of the forums i use we've got a random video thread and up it popped and i going oh that's quite funny let's laugh um But then to see it on a, you know, to see it on a newspaper over here online for no real reason. And several days late. Yeah, I don't understand. I think, why not just, why don't they just go and scroll through YouTube, grab some of the funniest clips and throw it on their site. Oh, wait, embed it as their own videos first so they can get the traffic. Exactly that.
0: (laughs) Anyway, that's where we must leave it. Hopefully by next week we may have a name for the agency. Yes,
1: possibly. Well, we do, we just can't see it yet. Excellent. (laughs) We'll also
0: be meeting Mumbrella's newest staff for next week, so that's something to look forward to.
1: I'll also make the the listeners be quite happy they don't have to hear us all the time.
0: Exactly. There'll be an Australian accent in the office. (laughs) That's what we want to hear. Um, As ever, our thanks to CBS Interactive for lending us the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you to Scott Rodier for your time, as ever. We are the Mumbrella Podcast, and we'll be back next week take care